0: The great contribution of the cooperative movement was the emphasis on quality. I think the one thing that the cooperative movement everywhere did was to try and set standards and enforce standards of quality, even to this day, you know, honest value for money, that kind of thing on both sides. yeah.
1: The Cooperative Movement in Ireland has in the last year celebrated its centenary and over the years its contribution to the Irish economy has been enormous. Generations of Irish farmers and their families have benefited from working together and availing of the opportunities created through cooperation. With a turnover of £6 billion, 100,000 members and employing 25,000 people, it is today a major force in the Irish economy. This was not the case when Horace Plunkett started his cooperative crusade among the dairy farmers of the Golden Vale just over 100 years ago. His vision, his integrity and his enthusiasm for social reform have been documented by his biographer Trevor West.
2: The cooperative movement in Ireland started through the remarkable efforts of one equally remarkable man, Horace Plunkett, the third son of Lord Dunsany, born in England, educated at Eton and Oxford, but very much an Irishman whose practical patriotism led to this remarkable development in Irish agriculture, the foundation of a cooperative movement based on the creamery industry. Uh, Plunkett at Oxford would have been influenced by the ideas of social reform, such as Christian socialism and the ideals of Robert Owen, which were going around at the time. Perhaps the most uh, influential period of his career uh, came when he left Oxford in 1878 because he spent 10 years uh, ranching in the Rocky Mountains and there in the... Uh, Wild West, which was primitive, just opening up, uh, he realised two things. First of all, that people wouldn't survive unless they got together and helped themselves, and of course the great example of that was the roundup system where people from 20 ranches would come together, the cowboys, uh, twice yearly to uh, brand the cattle in the spring and then send the beef to market in the autumn. But he also realised, of course, that uh, when this happened, Uh, the export of American beef to Britain would pose a great threat to Irish farmers and the farmers needed to combine if they were going to uh, export uh, and uh, process their goods uh, in the appropriate way which would allow them to uh, reap the benefits. So Plunkett, uh, returning to Ireland on his father's death in 1889, uh, attempted first... To uh, found cooperative stores based on the British consumer model and in fact he opened a store and a bakery in Donrail, County Cork which survived for a number of years but ended up as uh, non-cooperative businesses they were taken over Uh, in uh, 1891 he founded his first cooperative creamery with the help of Lord Monteagle at Ballyhattle in County Limerick and uh, the this success uh, and the idealism which lay behind it, uh, which inspired uh, his great uh, associates, R.A. Anderson, who was to act as the Secretary of the Corporate Movement for many years, formerly a landlord's agent in North Cork, Father Tom Finley, the well-known uh, Jesuit economist, uh, and then later on A.E. George Russell, the writer, mystic, artist, and Harold Barber, uh, a member of the famous barber, linen, thread family uh, from Lisburn in County Antrim. These men uh, stumped the country, uh, preaching the gospel of cooperation to the Irish farmers, and uh, after a two years of uh, propaganda, by Plunkett Anderson Finlay etc the cooperative movement finally took off and uh, developed uh, along based on the danish uh, creamery model uh, into the uh, major uh, component of the irish agricultural industry as we know it today
1: what was the biggest single influence then on plunkett's life that led him to find the cooperative
2: Plunkett was an idealist, and I think that the single biggest uh, influence on him was the uh, expansive way of doing business in America, the uh, the way the Americans had of overcoming all obstacles, no matter how severe, uh, and the outlook which which he absorbed then, affected him for the rest of his life, and there's no doubt his uh, American period was tremendously influential in his uh, attitude to uh, the need for reform of Ireland's principal industry.
1: In the late 18th century, the territories of Wyoming and Montana were just opening up, and many younger sons of aristocratic families in Ireland and England travelled there seeking their fortunes among them the young Horace Plunkett. In his history of Wyoming, Larry Woods traces their adventures.
3: In the uh, 1870s, which is a sort of a... Uh, the beginning of, uh, of the large corporations in the east, uh, the High Plains area uh, in the west uh, was opening up as a, uh, a place for cattle ranching. Uh, then these seemingly limitless acres of grasslands uh, which were all owned by the United States government became available to anyone who wanted to uh, turn cattle loose upon them and very soon uh, the idea sprung up that uh, one could have a a large operation without uh, very much investment all you had to do was turn the cattle out they would would feed and breed and produce large herds, and all you had to do was to put some cowboys in the field to uh, gather them in the fall and send them off to market. Uh, the grass was free. The idea seemed too good to be true, uh, and it, it very early attracted uh, a large amount of uh, uh, British investors who spent tens of millions of pounds sterling. Uh, in these ventures, putting cattle on the range. The uh, story did uh, turn out to be uh, too good to be true because if everyone can use the range, then there was no way to prevent them from becoming overcrowded. And indeed, that was the uh, fatal weakness to the open range system. Uh, The cattlemen devised a system of roundups, and there were two a year. Uh, The system worked relatively well, so in the spring you branded the new calves and in the fall you had a roundup which would permit you to collect the steers that now were old enough to be marketed and send them to market. Plunkett uh, established his ranch up in the Powder River Basin and uh, uh, it was uh, an adventure. Uh, it's the only way to describe it. The nearest spot on the railroad was 200 miles to the south. Uh, there was no railroad at all from the ranch north to the Canadian border and beyond, as a matter of fact. On the range, uh, the work was hard. Remember, the owners in those days did not stay on the ranch uh, in the wintertime. Uh, once the fall roundup was completed, uh, the foreign owners, for the most part, would go down to Cheyenne and then uh, go east on the railroad to uh, to catch a, a uh, ship in uh, New York to go home to to Ireland or to England depending on where they where they lived. The Cheyenne Club was a uh, an institution where you could get fresh oysters you could get fine wines from uh, from overseas uh, the finest cuisine they had a they had a good chef and uh, it was a, an absolute uh, a microcosm of some other uh, life. It was uh, Cheyenne in 1882 did not even have a telephone.
1: Shortly after Horace Plunkett arrived in Wyoming, the Americans had started to ship refrigerated meat to the United Kingdom, and this was to pose a real threat to Irish agriculture. His experience in the United States indicated that unless Irish farmers combined together, they would not be able to offset such competition. However, a cooperative based on the English experience was not to prove suitable in the Irish situation. Pat Bulger is the historian of the Irish cooperative movement.
0: In these islands, it is commonly regarded as, as having started in, in England in Rochdale in Lancashire, you see. Uh, as uh, 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 where a number of uh, workers set up a, a retail shop to provide themselves with the necessities of life. And that movement grew in Britain, you know, it's by the turn of the century it was very uh, substantial, you know, and it was a, a system of retail consumer cooperation that was very suited to an industrial Population, but nothing like that happened in Ireland. And uh, Horace Plunkett, of which uh, a lot has been written, he thought that this consumer cooperation would be the natural start. And he tried to do it in Ireland, but the the the, uh, the vested interests of provincial shopkeepers was so strong at every level you know, both in church and state and everywhere else that he, he didn't succeed. So he uh he saw the opportunity in the producer side and the uh, in the dairying industry, which was in, in great difficulties at those times. But even there it was very difficult to start. You know, and it's reputed that they he had over fifty meetings before they had any any results and got the the first uh, cooperative creamery off the ground in Drumcollar in, in County Limerick in 1889. And a whole year passed then before uh, his great and good friend uh, Lord Monteagle, Thomas Spring Rice of Mount Trenchard in Limerick. He made a breakthrough the another little creamery near his own home place in ballyhahel And the. Uh, they They went ahead from there, and you got about a dozen corporate creameries uh, established about eighteen and ninety one The principle was that the farmers assembled the milk, they built a processing unit, which was a very simple thing in those days, just to make butter and they and they sold the butter then and realized the price of it, you know.
1: And, and were the farmers shareholders in this? The
0: farmers, yeah, the farmers owned it. That was the basic principle of it, you see. And this uh, even applies to the modern creamery. His first organiser was uh, Robin Anderson, it was commonly known as Ori Anderson. You see, he was a, a farmer's son and a, a landlord's agent down in Donnerale. And he uh, Plunkett recruited him in the first instance, and interestingly, the salary was paid by the the cooperative union in Manchester. This was the link with the British movement. A lot of help was given, too, by, by par- people who acted as part-time organisers of, of, co- of co-ops, you see. A lot of uh, local well-to-do farmers, you know, gentry and half-gentry. Who never got full credit for all the work that they did, like of Sir Jocelyn Gore Booth in Sligo, you see, and.
1: But Plunkett was particularly lucky, or indeed astute, maybe, in some of the main people he had in the early days. Like, apart from R.A. Anderson, he had the Jesuit Father Tom Finlay and then yeah. A. E. Russell, the famous A. E. Yeah, a.
0: oh yes, A was a great. He a. A. astounded himself at, uh, at his ability to. Uh, to speak in public and to draw a crowd and command himself, he wrote Lady Gregory to that effect They have in me somewhere the makings of a mob author you know, he was recommended by Yeats, his great buddy recommended him to Plunkett, here's a young fella who could, could do this job for you, particularly on the area of cooperative credit and he went down the west of Ireland and he exposed the kind of Gombinism, this system of usury, you know. Uh, he continued to uh, pursue this line in the Irish homestead, which is a, a, a remarkable combination of a, a farmer's journal and a literary magazine.
1: <laughs> this was a farmer's journal that whose aim was to provide education and knowledge but for farmers as yes, well.
0: Yes, before the establishment of the, uh, of the Department of Agriculture, the uh, IOS had a, an educational role, and they did experiments, you see, and, and demonstrated good, good methods of agricultural practice. And in fact, you can thank the co- early cooperative movement for popularizing and making practical the idea of spraying potatoes. Because although they... they the remedy or the prevention of potato blight had been known for a great many years. There was no way which the ordinary small farmer could uh, could effectively do it. He was doing it with a, with a whitewash brush and a, a bucket full of spray, and it wasn't very effective. And, they, uh, and the early co-op societies uh, introduced this idea of a horse-thrown sprayer which was was kept at the co-op headquarters.
1: What would Father Tom Finley's role and his contribution then have been to the cooperative movement?
0: He was a man of enormous influence you see at every level in, the, in church and state. You know he, he really he, he legitimated the whole thing and he steered Plunkett in the right direction. Plunkett was Fairly inept as a politician in some ways, and Tom would advise him, you know. And his first concern was the credit movement. He was in Rome as a student uh, at the time of the First Vatican Council and the time when Garibaldi and his red shirts invaded the city, and he was advised to Remove himself from there, and he went off to Prussia. And uh, with his natural curiosity, he came in touch with uh, the the credit movement. And Father Tom, who was who uh, uh, was reared in County Cavan, said that they had no oh, just fine thing for the farmers in Cavan.
1: <laughs> Can you tell me a bit about the uh, his interest in the credit movement and the sort of banks that he founded
0: Yes, there were very simple little banks you know and uh, uh, very often the the local schoolmaster was the uh, was the key figure in establishing these you see and uh, the, uh worked very much on the the same basis as the modern day credit union people came together and saved and uh, t- uh, to lend money to each other and in the uh, Father Tom was responsible too for pressure so that in the poorer areas the people's savings were not enough to to get the lending process going and Engineered it so Whitelawker, of course, was very influential. This, so that the congested district boards and later the uh, Department of Agriculture would give uh, pump priming loans to the society itself to start the lending process. It was small money, you know. It looks very small money now, you know, fifty pounds or a hundred pounds was able to finance and get a whole bank started. It was substantial money when the price of a good cow was maybe £15. Pounds. And he had a wonderful story about, you know, that the, these small village banks were only to lend for productive purposes. And he, say, he quoted, yeah, well, you have to consider what the really productive p- purpose is. Where uh, he said I know a young man in a, approached a bank in in Mayo for a loan of five pounds, and that enabled him to fit himself out with a suit of clothes and shoes and things, and enabled him to marry a girl who had a couple of cows and several pigs and a dowry of maybe twenty pounds. Yeah.
1: Horace Plunkett entered Parliament as a Unionist MP for South Dublin in eighteen ninety two. While this left him and his movement vulnerable to attacks on political grounds, he now had a seat in Parliament from which to launch his campaign, involving both nationalist and unionist MPs for an Irish Department of Agriculture.
2: Plunkett continually stressed the psychological benefits. In fact, he used the word moral effects of his cooperative movement. He saw the cooperative movement as one prong in a twin system. And once the Irish Agricultural Organization Society had been founded in 1894, he spent a great deal of his time and turned his attention to the other uh, prong in his uh, system, uh, that of uh, setting up a... Department of Agriculture, a single department, a government department, to deal with the myriad problems of Irish agriculture, because there was no such uh, body in existence at the time. Agriculture was dealt with by a myriad uh, system, and complex system of committees, and Plunkett decided to have uh, to put pressure on the British government, which was at the time under the Balfours favourably disposed towards his ideas, and to obtain a proper Department of Agriculture. And he did this in a very clever way because it wasn't enough just to have support from one section of the community. And he linked the need for a Department of Agriculture with uh, the need uh, expressed. Uh, most cogently by the northern industrialists in linen and shipbuilding and tobacco for uh, proper technical education for their uh, workers. This ensured the uh, support of Catholics and Protestants. Uh, It was really an unstoppable movement, and Plunkett brought it to a head by uh, getting the parliamentarians in Westminster and the businessmen together on a committee which sat in 1895-6, the recess committee, and produced a report. Plunkett financed the whole thing himself, uh, which was a damning indictment of uh, government policy or lack of it in these two areas. As a result, legislation was finally passed in the last month's of the old century, and by the end of 1899, the Department of Agriculture and Technical Instruction for Ireland had been set up with Plunkett as vice-president or minister. So he was, indeed, uh, the very first Irish minister for agriculture, and in, uh, on the other hand, he was also the very first um, minister for education. This was the forerunner of our system of Uh, vocational education in Ireland North and South and, of course, is the main reason why the uh, vocational sector of our education system has always remained non-denominational.
1: Around this time, Plunkett built a house in Fox Rock and it was quickly to become a centre of literary and political activity.
2: Plunkett was a most sociable man. He lived a remarkably hectic existence but uh, he entertained very widely at Kiltira. His friend Lady Fingal often acted as hostess and the, uh, the parties at Kiltira were famous for their constructive talk and emphasis on uh, politics and particularly on uh, the economics of the New Ireland. Uh, politicians such as Gerald Balfour and Sidney Webb, the English socialist, uh, came to Kiltira along with uh, Michael Collins, Griffith, Casement, Erskine Childers, John Redmond, Dillon, and Constant Markovich. And they were accompanied regularly by the stars of the literary firmament, many of whom, of course, worked for Plunkett in some capacity. Lady Gregory was a supporter. Yeats spoke at a number of cooperative meetings. Uh, A.E. edited the wonderful... Agricultural Journal, probably the finest ever produced in the English-speaking world, the Irish Homestead, and Bernard Shaw, George Moore, Lady Gregory, Chesterton, and H.G. Wells were the sort of people who one might find from time to time at dinner parties in Kiltira.
1: Lady Daisy Fingal, Plunkett's friend and hostess at Kiltira, was a founder member and president of the United Irish Women, and. In 1910, the AGM of the Irish Agricultural Organization Society drew a large attendance of United Irish Women there to witness the inauguration of their organization as the women's arm of the cooperative movement and to hear an inspiring address by their organizer, Elise Pilkington.
4: This is an exceptionally good opportunity of coming to an understanding with the farmers with whom we are desirous of cooperating. I do not know whether you all want our cooperation or not. I do not know what odds are for or against us. So I mean to follow Lindsay Gordon's advice, which I found useful before. Look before you leap if you like, he says, but if you intend leaping, don't look too long. I'm taking the fence blindly. I trust you will help me to land in safety to explain our aims and secure your sympathy with them. For the past 17 years, the Agricultural Organisation Society has been improving the rural conditions of Ireland, and its members can look back with complacency on the work done. Following a natural course, this result has been achieved mainly by men. Women have been, for the most part, looking on, sympathising, no doubt, but above all, waiting for the opportunity of slipping quietly into their right place and helping to complete and utilize to the full a magnificent organization. Men can acquire land and make it habitable, but they can't live happily and prosperously on it unless women help them. Women are alive to the fact that if they do not make their wants known, they cannot expect to have them gratified, and the United Irish Women owe their existence to the same idea of self help that was the mainspring of the cooperative organization. Out of the ideas of all self help and mutual assistance, our association has sprung. These are some of its objects to brighten home life in rural districts, to encourage the use of sound Irish manufactured materials and articles for clothing and use in the house to strive whenever it is possible and desirable that Irish women should have full rights of membership in all rural associations, cooperative and agricultural societies, to promote cooperation among women in the sale of eggs, poultry, etc., and in the purchase of household requirements. If you will stand by us, we will stand by you. Mr George Russell has expressed our attitude exactly. We want to be good comrades to the men. If you will accept us as such, will you encourage the circulation of our rules in your homes? And will you help to establish side by side with your cooperative societies branches of our Women's League? I hope you will welcome us as associates in the grand work you've carried on so well hitherto and let us help you to complete it. I think you will find it to your advantage to make friends with us, because we are determined to get the better of you somehow. And it is as well to remember that more than 1,400 years ago, even St. Patrick prayed to be delivered from the spells and enchantments
1: of women, demons and magicians. The first efforts of the new organisation were directed at improving rural nursing, but soon the movement was providing instruction in every aspect of rural economy and in 1935 went on to change its name to the Irish Countrywomen's Association. Horace Plunkett was knighted for his services to the development of Irish agriculture, but after the foundation of the Irish Free State, he and his house Kiltira were to suffer during the Civil War.
2: Plunkett, because of his absolute insistence on the need for economic reconstruction after the uh, depredations of the Anglo-Irish War, which his creameries had been the object of attack by the forces of the Crown, and then after the Civil War had left the country in a debilitated state, he supported the uh, Cosgrave administration and... Uh, having lost his parliamentary seat way back in 1900, as a progressive southern uh, former Unionist Protestant, he was nominated to the Irish Senate by W.T. Cosgrave. And uh, he didn't appear very often in the Senate, made one or two speeches, but not long after his appointment, the uh, Republicans, who of course opposed the... um, Cosgrave administration, and who by this time had withdrawn from Parliament, uh, attacked uh, members of the Dáil, and uh, members of the Senate, attacked them and their premises. Plunkett was in America in the early months of 1923, and his uh, beautiful home in Kiltira was blown up uh, on one night in February and uh, then burnt to the ground the following evening by Republican forces, and this uh, was a tremendous psychological blow to a man who was not married, had no family, and who uh, had put a tremendous amount of store by what happened in this remarkable house. And so Plunkett could hardly bear to face coming to Ireland again. He went to live in St. George's Hill in Weybridge in Surrey.
0: Irish farmers still are very conscious of the economic war, but I think it was nearly as important as this immediate post-war slump in the early 20s. And as a result of all this slump and the, the difficulty, that uh, co-ops retreated into a very narrow, uncooperative shell. They were no longer, you know, mm-hmm. expansionist in their attitude of just to hold on to survive, you see, and uh, a lot of them did succeed in surviving by paying a poor price for milk and making a margin on it, which they didn't distribute. They they held this in reserves. And uh, with even instances of a I know, small co-op in the west of Ireland, who in the 30s had... Considerable amount of money for the time invested in Dublin Corporation, instead of investing it in their own members. But the opportunities to invest it, you had the uh, you had this post-war slump. Then you had the world depression. You see the Wall Street crash in '29, and then you had this this economic war with Britain. And then you had the Second World War, when there was an absolute shortage of supplies, and the land of Ireland was. Uh, Desolated for the lack of fertilizer or, or good farming methods. You see, and it was, it was 1950 before the new technology of farming and the, uh, uh, and the uh, new new developments made it possible. I remember John O'Neill, in, who was the manager of Kilishandrew, Co. op in County Cavan, he saw the desolation you see, of the Cavan lands at that time. And he had the bright idea that ground rock phosphate was available at a reasonable price from North Africa, and he brought it in by the tons, you see, and made it available to his farmer members in Counties Cavan, Leithrum uh, along there, at uh, virtually cost price. And this restored the fertility of the land, the new systems then of of, uh, weed control and everything like that, rotational grazing and electric fences and silage making, all came on stream, and general farming prosperity led to an increase in prosperity of the co-ops. Cooperation is an idea that will not go away. You see, there's always modern applications and uh, useful areas where people have difficulties. You know, as the economists say, these factor indivisibilities. You know, You see in those machinery rings where a lot of farmers would be adequately served by a tractor and a half. (laughs) You know. Uh, or or uh, a, a muck's brother, or half a muck's brother, or a quarter of a combine harvester, you see. But, um, there's always modern applications where cooperation will make things possible. And that's this big, big idea I an enabling process of all kinds. You see, we had an iron moor, uh, an island, where there was no structure of management. It seems it was only when a, a small co-op was there that the that the state and, and and local authority authorities could could do anything. With the result of the co-op being established, there was a base of management. and made it possible to provide a ferry for the place, and when there was a ferry, that was there goods could be carried into the island. and made it possible for the North Western Health Board to, to build a, a dispensary and, and day centre for people, made possible for Donegal County Council to, to build houses, which are the first local authority houses ever built on the island.
1: Rural development activities are now an important part of cooperative involvement in Ireland and they're served by the Irish Cooperative Organisation Society, ICOS, whose Director General is John Tyrrell.
5: The cooperative movement in Ireland consists of about, uh, in the agriculture and fishing area, consists of about 140 cooperatives. Uh, their combined turnover will be over £6 billion in 1994, and they cover all sectors uh, in the agriculture and fishing area, covering uh, milk collection, milk processing, dairy manufacturing. It covers animal feed manufacture, uh, fertilizer sales, all the supply of farm inputs, um, and providing a wide range of services then uh, in, the, in the agricultural area. They're also involved in meat processing, in beef, pig meat, and sheep uh, processing as well, and livestock marketing, artificial insemination, uh, farm leaf services, every activity really relating to the agricultural area they would contribute, we would estimate, something about 20% of our total net exports. Uh, And they are a very important part of the rural economy because that's where they're based.
1: Who are the main co-ops in Ireland and how important are they to the economy of the country?
5: Well, as I say, we have a large number of co-ops, but the main ones (coughs) would be and if you take it in turnover terms, you'd have the Irish Dairy Board, which is a cooperative, which is involved in the marketing of Irish dairy products uh, overseas. Um, we have other co-ops then, like Avonmore, um, Kerry, Watford, uh, Dairy Gold, and then you have the what we would call the medium-sized co-ops, like Nina, Tipperary, North Connacht Farmers, uh, Lakeland, um, in the uh, other parts of the country then as well. The other big benefit is that you have the um, the development in rural areas, and you have the cooperatives have also, in addition to their core services of buying and processing farm produce, um, they also are involved in a range of rural development activities. And that's a very important activity for a lot of our cooperatives now, because the members are living in those rural areas, they want to see them developed, and kept vibrant so the cooperatives have put a lot of resources in terms of manpower and in terms of funding also uh, into trying to encourage new activities to maintain people in rural areas
1: what of the future the challenges of the future
5: well certainly i think the challenges will be um, no less than they than they were in the past um, because we now have um, we're part of the european community Uh, we're also part of the wider context of of trade and we're part of the GATT and we've had a recent uh, agreement on the Uruguay round of the GATT and that certainly poses a major challenge now it also gives an opportunity to an extent because it means that trade is being freed up you have tariff barriers being removed so there is access being given to some outside markets Um, so that is the challenge will be to ensure that uh, our economy does get benefits from that and that the agricultural economy uh, is not disadvantaged when the GAT is fully implemented over the next six years. I think another um, aspect, and I've referred to it briefly there in, in relation to rural development, um, the number of farmers has been declining That has been a trend that has happened since the Industrial Revolution. Um, It is a trend that's happening outside Ireland. We still have a very high dependence on the agricultural sector. um, And the challenge will be what is going to happen if that trend continues or what can we do to arrest that decline. We don't want to see people leaving rural areas, but we've got to recognise that uh, if there aren't opportunities for people there, they're not going to stay. So we've got to see if we can generate Sustainable opportunities for people to uh, live in those areas and to live with dignity.
1: In retrospect, how big a debt do you think is owed to Horace Plunkett and his vision?
5: I think an enormous debt uh, is is attributed to him, um, because I think he saw. The potential that there was in the agricultural community, which nobody else at the time really fully appreciated. And I think you've got to understand that it was not easy for Plunkett to go and sell the message because of the very wide difference between his background and the background of the people that he was trying to convince. He was a Protestant and he was trying to Persuade the Catholic farmers and the peasant farmers, as they were at the time, that they should combine in order to improve the lot of all of them. Um, he was—he wasn't a nationalist, uh, and he was trying to persuade these nationalists to follow uh, this particular message. He had no vested interest um, of his own. Uh, he had only got the best interests of the people at heart and uh, it took some time for that message to get across. And I think once they got that message across, you began to see, the, once they got one or two co-ops set up, other people saw the advantages of it, and he persisted, and he persuaded a large number of people then to follow uh, the the, the message that he was preaching, which was basically that you need to have a more scientific approach to the farming, you need to have a more business-like approach to the processing and the marketing of the product, and if you can combine the better farming and the better business, that as a result of that, you'll get a better living standard, and that's was summed up in his motto, the better farming, better business, better living. Um, and that, I think, is still true today. In Leland
2: Lyon's words, Plunkett was a medley of strange paradoxes, a combination of the man of business with the idealist, a poor speaker but an excellent publicist, an aristocrat of exquisite manners, perfectly at home with the cowboys on the range a man whose hold on life was always precarious, but whose zest for living was inexhaustible. But beneath these contradictions were attributes of courage, strength of character, and a desire to serve. Above all, he had a concept of Ireland that was both national and international. In his friend Lady Fingal's words, Ireland had laid her burden on him.